0: Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace. On a cold January night in 2008, Washington Post sports columnist Mike Wise took his golden lab on a jog along the frozen over c Canal in Washington, DC. He writes, "Lulu went out onto the ice and fell through. And I went out after her. After several minutes, I managed to put my arm under her abdomen and jerk her up onto a solid piece of ice. Luli scampered up the embankment and on down the path, then circled back for him, waiting on shore, pacing. Mike tried to put his elbows up on the ice to get a little rest, cutting his wrists on the sharp edges. He couldn't feel his hands and arms And then he couldn't touch bottom. And then he could barely move. He was all alone, and he was dying. Trying not to panic, he began to yell for help. And suddenly, a young man came out of the darkness, also out for a run. First, he noticed a couple of holes in the ice. Then he spotted Luli on the bank of the canal. And then he saw Mike. He slid down the canal and lowered himself in, breaking up the ice, and waded into the freezing water up to his chest. He reached for Mike, and they just kept reaching for each other. And then Mike felt his foot touch bottom. I knew I was going to make it, he says. And Luli didn't have to go home with someone else that night. Mike continues, the guy made sure Luli and I were all right. I was in shock from the hypothermia, freezing out of breath. But I managed to ask him his name and where he worked. Jason, Jason Coatsy said, I'm in law school at GW. He said he was cold too and he took off again like some superhero who shows up when people are in dire need. In the days that followed, Mike tracked down Jason. And then they became friends. Mike helped Jason with his career. Jason attended Mike's wedding to Christina. Mike got a one-day license from the Universal Life Church and performed Jason's wedding to Alex. In the middle of the ceremony, he looked up and caught his wife smiling at him. Their four-year-old son, Oliver, was seated in her lap, and he fought back tears of gratitude, knowing he never would have met her, never would have that baby or the one on the way, if it weren't for Jason. I heard Mike Wise tell this story to Ira Glass on NPR last Saturday. And of all the heroics in it, the thing that touched me the most was the wholeheartedness of these two men. In planning Jason's wedding, Mike learned how Alex loved the way Jason indulged her spontaneity, going out into the gale-forced winds and rain of Hurricane Irene. It was only after they returned, sopping wet from head to toe, that she found out that Jason really hates getting wet. As I was letting that sink in, imagine someone who hates getting wet wading up to his chest in the icy water of a freezing canal. Ira Glass asked Mike Wise if he thought he'd made the wrong calculation in trying to rescue Luli. It had almost cost him his life. Mike said, no, the, the wrong calculation he made was in taking off her leash along a frozen waterway. And Ira pressed him. Given that Mike nearly died, did he really think he should have gone into the canal to save his dog? Mike said, yes. And then his voice broke. I don't think I made the wrong choice, he said. Because a life without her for the next 10 years wouldn't have been a life worth living. That dog was everything to me. This morning, my friends, I want to make the case for wholeheartedness, for opening our hearts and living from the heart, for devotion, for being all in and forgiving our all for love. Leadership coach Robin Sharma writes, great achievement often happens when our backs are up against the wall. Who you truly are surfaces only when you place yourself in a position of discomfort. Our power most fully exerts itself when the heat is on. Challenge serves beautifully to introduce you to your best self, your best and most brilliant self. It's very human to take the path of least resistance he continues. And it's normal to want to avoid putting stress on ourselves. But easy times don't make us better. They make us slower and more complacent and sleepy staying in the safety zone, and coasting through life never made anyone bigger. Born in 1913, W.H. Murray was a Scottish mountaineer who wrote a compelling account of an expedition to the Himalayas in 1951. There was a lot in the way of getting to Everest, but he and his team were undaunted. He writes, we had definitely committed ourselves and were halfway out of our ruts. We had put down our passage money, booked a sailing to Bombay. This may sound too simple, but it's great in consequence. Until one is committed, there is always hesitance. The chance to draw back always ineffectiveness. Concerning all acts of initiative and creation, there is one elementary truth, the ignorance of which kills countless ideas and splendid plans, that the moment one definitely commits oneself, then providence moves too. A whole stream of events, issues from the decision, raising in one's favor all manner of unforeseen incidents, meetings, and material assistance, which no one could have dreamt would have come their way. W. H. Murray concludes, I learned a deep respect for one of Goethe's couplets. Whatever you can do or dream you can, do it. Boldness has genius, power, and magic in it. This is what it means to be wholehearted. In the spirit of anti colonialism, all of us are invited to completely reimagine the stories we were told of many early explorers and pioneers, to the end that there's very little uplifting or inspiring about their exploits. The sheer greed and violence of their missions are soul searing. There's one small part of one story that has stayed with me, which proffers a metaphor for wholeheartedness. In 1519, Hernando Cortes and his army landed on the shores of Veracruz, Mexico, determined to conquer it for Spain. This expedition was the beginning of the end of the Aztec Empire. But in the early days, as they marched into battle, the Spanish conquistadors were met by a powerful native native resistance. Inland, felled by disease, and quickly, they ran out of supplies. So this may well be legend, or at least not entirely correct, but here it is as I learned it. In the face of certain death, Hernando Cortez ordered one of his lieutenants back to the beach with a single command. Our boats. So I learned this story from my fourth grade teacher, Miss Parsons, the same one I've told you about who in a science lesson about the eye popped out a contact lens and packed it around a classroom full of astonished nine-year olds. I wouldn't put it past her to have planted the idea of burning our boats as a metaphor to live by sabotaging our instinct to retreat, compelling us to muster our courage, and destroying the option for failure. Burn your boats. To be wholehearted is to align ourselves to our moral compass, to take risks for our values, to take risks for love. Over 30 years ago, my friend Father Grant wrote me from his parish in the sh- in the slums outside Lima. He begged me to come to Peru. There was a civil war raging, and hundreds of children were being orphaned by the ravaging poverty. It was still illegal then for queer people to adopt children, but a sympathetic social worker agreed to help me. The only requirements were that I had to pretend to be single, kind of like a nun, and that I couldn't tell anyone what I was up to. So I ground my way through the paperwork and gave half my life savings to an adoption agency in Atlanta, which was brokering international adoptions in Latin America. The other half of my savings was in reserve for actually going to Peru and getting my kids out of there. It was a long, frustrating slog, small advances followed by heartbreaking setbacks with No assurances that there would actually be a family at the end of it. And then, almost three years into the process, I received a letter from the Attorney General's office in Georgia. The adoption agency had been shuttered, and all my money was gone. I was devastated. I was crushed, and there was no one I could tell. So by grace, my story, as you know, has a happy ending. But that lowest moment taught me something really important. Ever since then, when people say to me, we're pregnant, but we're not telling anyone yet, I always say, why not? And when they say, it's too early. What if something happens? I say, that's why you should tell. Tell everyone. First of all, the world needs a whole lot more joy. But secondly, if something happens, you're going to want a lot of love and reassurance and support. Not telling doesn't protect us from grief. It only intensifies the feelings of loss. So take the risk for love. Poet Mary Oliver, who died in January, wrote a lot about risking for love and living until we die. Here is one of her beautiful homages to wholeheartedness, the close of her poem, When Death Comes. When it's over, I want to say all my life I was a bride married to amazement. I was the bridegroom taping the world into my arms. When it's over, I don't want to wonder if I have made of my life something particular and real. I don't want to find myself sighing and frightened or full of argument. I don't want to end up simply having visited this world. Beloved spiritual companions, may we wade out into icy water, burn our boats, be undaunted, be committed, be introduced to our best and most brilliant self. May we open our hearts, live from the heart, be devoted all in. May we give our all for love. May we choose to be wholehearted. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear from you via email at office at ascboston.org